Hey, creepy crawlers. I'm Katie. And I'm Nate. And this is Case, Case of, of the, the Creeps. Creeps. Johnson, I need you to come here for a moment. <laughs> what is it? I need you to test these fluids. Give me that. Man cum. It's cum? Man cum. It's for sure cum. With right. blood. Let me try it. Do you taste ah. the iron? <clears throat> God damn it, Johnson, you're right again. Twelfth time I've been right this week. It's cum. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me get a double taste. <laughs> let, me, let me taste again. Hold on. This one needs to go in my sinuses. <laughs> Do you get a better taste that way? Man, come. Definitely come. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> We should make an energy drink out of that. The the drip. (laughs) (laughs) It really hits you right in the back of the throat. Very pungent. No, you're right about the blood, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh. Oh Devil woman strikes again. (laughs) She struck again. It was for sure her. taste in your mouth. (laughs) Well, hello. (laughs) And welcome, creepy peeps, to a very special episode of Case of the Creeps. I'm Katie. I'm Nate. And usually when we say it's a special episode, it's because we're just excited about the topic of the night. And while that is very true, it is also because we are joined by a very special guest tonight, a very close friend and devoted listener to the podcast, our buddy Creepy Garrett's. Howdy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Garrett, you have been a devoted follower since like the very, very beginning. And you are also, I was thinking about it the other night after uh, our first recording of this. You are also the person that came back on my birthday because you refused to leave before midnight. Mm -hmm. When like half of the entire party Mm -hmm. had already dipped out. Mm -hmm. And you left and then came back and was like, it's not midnight yet. I'm not leaving before I it's was really about Katie's birthday. <laughs> I was about to leave and I was like, hold on. It was like 1130 and it I was, was like, wait a minute. Hold on now. <laughs> you stormed back into the house and then Nate had already left. So then we called I him. I never left the house. No, you you didn't. I came back. You did. After we called and roasted mm-hmm. you. I'm always getting roasted. Terribly. <laughs> Even in our group chat. Even in the group chat. <laughs> Now, before we get into the good good of tonight, we have a few things really quick. One of them is an announcement for the Patreon. We are putting the page on a hold for the time being while we go under construction, quote unquote. For those of you that are Patreon, there's going to be a lull in content for a moment. Um, We have a new site that's in the making for you guys, so it's going to be like an all-in-one kind of experience too, so just keep an eye out for Creepy Mickey dropping the news on that. Now, speaking of Creepy Mickey, it is time for Creepy Mickey's Creepy Corner, and she has an awesome idea, and tonight's going to be her first segment of that, so here we go. Hi, and welcome to Mickey's Creepy Corner. It's me, Mickey, and I have one question for you. Do you know the Muffin Man? Do you really know the Muffin Man? Yeah, that one that lives on Drury Lane. Well, I bet you didn't know that there was a creepier side to this little song, and I'm going to tell you all about it. You know him as the Muffin Man, some knew him as the Drury Dicer, and others knew him as Frederick Thomas Linwood. The story goes, back in the 16th century, this song was created to warn children of a specific baker down on Drury Lane, who would lure children with a muffin tied to a string and bring them back to his bakery, and that's where he would end up killing them. It's said that he killed up to 15 children and even seven of his rival bakers in the area. Pretty creepy, right? Well, I think that's what I'm going to be doing from now on, telling you all about the creepy side of fairy tales and lullabies. What do you think? Good idea? I think so, too. 
I want to thank Katie and Nate for this idea and for letting me participate in their podcast. And also, welcome to our special guest, Garrett. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. All right. And that is Creepy Mickey's Creepy Corner. He's like, fuck other people that make muffins. Fuck them. He's like, I'm going to put them in the muffins. <laughs> That's like Sweeney Todd bullshit yeah, right there. Put them in the Think you make better muffins than me? I'll fucking show you. Put fucking muffin me. <laughs> No. Strawberry. Uh, well, bitch, want anything about strawberry muffins? <laughs> it's time for us to dive into our main course for the night, and we're hitting a little bit closer to home than usual, too. So we're going to pack a bag, walk out to the highway, and hitchhike, and hope we don't run into the damsel of death herself, the nation's first known woman serial killer and main topic of the night, Eileen Warnos. Are you guys ready to pop this case? Of course. Let's do it. Ready? Yeah. My fucking wow. fingernail. Oh, <laughs> I just got him really low. Ooh, that's the worst when you try mm-hmm. to pop a top with your freshly cut nails. Cheers. Prost. Girls just want to have fun. What is this, Battle of the Gulps right now? <sighs> It's like cucumber water. <laughs> Refreshing. I'll fight you. <laughs> uh, so we usually... Somebody, somebody, somebody said the other day that like cucumber lime is the best Gatorade flavor. I was like, you know people say that eat corn in the lime, It actually right? really is, though. You it's fucking did not my favorite you Gatorade. fucking piece of shit. That it's is my the favorite. Worst. No, it's not. It is. It tastes like the white of a watermelon, the rind, but... The worst part of the watermelon? not part of the watermelon. <laughs> Not me, but oh, but how do you know what it tastes like? like I won't eat it, but I'll. Gary, how you do you shut know? up? <laughs> <laughs> but that Gatorade is the best one. No, no. That's a weird way to spell glacier ice. I don't see myself. <laughs> that is the best one. No, the lime one is actually. I just talked about this the other day. All right, well, this has been a good episode. Nate, <laughs> <laughs> put that knife down. Stop. <laughs> So we usually start the podcast with the beginning of their life and work our way through the events that took place. However, Garrett is here for more than just to sit in on this episode. Garrett, your grandma actually worked at the prison where Eileen was held, right? She worked at the Giselle. Oh, you're talking about fucking Volusia County Jail. VCJ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gang. that. <laughs> <laughs> and she developed somewhat of a relationship with her? 100%. Really? Mm-hmm. She had a crush on my grandma as well. My grandma always referred to her as her little buddy. But my, my grandma, she's a, she's a little out there. But, but you know, I tried to get a hold of her too, but she didn't answer. <laughs> <laughs> grandma, pick up! <laughs> so you're going to try and talk to your grandma and give us that conversation 1, if you can? 1,000%. That would be great. It, and we can it post will it happen. on the social media. It will happen. <laughs> Stay One tuned. of these six times that you call her, she's I know. I got about ten missed calls on her cell phone. <laughs> easily. So, with that tiny bit of foreshadowing there, we're going to go all the way back now to the beginning of this roadkill's life. Now, roadkill. <laughs> so, Eileen was born on February 29th of 1956. Good year. As Eileen Carol Pittman in Rochester, Michigan. Her parents were Diane Warnos and Leo Pittman. Diane was 14 when she married Eileen's dad, Leo, who was 18 at the time. What a sack of dicks. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) And she gave birth on March 14, 1955, to Eileen's older brother, Keith. Then, after only two short years of marriage and two months before Eileen was born, Diane divorced Leo and gave birth to Eileen when she was just 16. Babies making babies. Now, mm-hmm. Eileen never got to meet her father, not because Diane kept her from uh, kept her from him or anything, but actually because he got sentenced to life in prison for kidnapping and raping a seven-year-old girl. And outside of prison, he was known for beating his own mother whenever he wanted and also tying cats' tails together and hanging them over a clothesline to watch them fight, too. Like Richard Kuglinski. A seven-year-old girl. What a fucking mm, disgusting piece of shit. Um, he was also later diagnosed with schizophrenia. and oh, That makes it better. That <laughs> <laughs> excuses everything. Uh, he also committed suicide by hanging himself in prison. Too good. 
Mm-hmm. On January 30th one. of 1969. He needed more time. He needed more... He needed to be raped. Mm-hmm. I bet you he probably did. You know what's unfortunate is, like, we've talked about it before, is people like that, when they go to prison for those crimes, they get set aside. They get put in their own fucking cell just so can't, people can't butt-fuck them to death. But I'm on prison TikTok <laughs> right now, and these people get... How did you get to prison TikTok? Well... It's, it's oh, prison panic. side of TikTok. Okay, okay. This is panic right there. But I follow people. I mean, it's on prison talk. There's a guy from Daytona um, who, like, goes over, like, what happens to these people in prison, and they get their due reward that they, yeah, they get their Eventually. food. Oh, man. They, well, their food, they got to eat. So yeah, the people true. find out, you know, who it is and Ooh, what their plate is. My man's eating I don't cookie. even want to tell you what they put in that food, but Come let your mind wander. Come up. poop and blood. <laughs> The way that you didn't break eye contact with me. <laughs> These people get absolutely taken care of. Oh prison God. justice is a real thing for these people. I'm you know, telling you. Angry mob so justice sheltered. is one of my favorite forms of justice. <laughs> because I was so sheltered as a child, as we all know at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, when I you I, watched Misery. I watched most of Misery. Somebody, somebody had to go home and I had to stop watching it. Never seen it. So... What? You've never seen Misery? <laughs> don't don't start. <laughs> you got to the I will body you. <laughs> now, if you think this is all just bad daddy issues, you'd be very mistaken as well when it comes to Eileen's childhood. She, uh, we have a very prominent case of nature versus nurture with this one. And while dad may have been in prison for what he did, mom was no better on the outside of the bars. By the time Eileen was four in 1960... Mother Dearest Diane had abandoned Eileen and her older older brother Keith to their maternal grandparents, Lori and Britta Warnos, who were not much better than Diane herself, being that they were both... Were they lesbians? Mm, they, were, they were both... No! Britta. Britta's the... Um, Water filter. Britta's the... <laughs> that was good. Uh, Britta's the grandma. Lori is the grandpa. But they were also both raging alcoholics, and they ended up adopting the the two siblings on March 18th of 1960. Now, life was never good for Eileen. From the moment she popped out, the odds were against her completely. (laughs) The doctor took her and fucking spiked her. He's like, woo! (laughs) By the age of 11. I shot out too, by the way. Deadass. Did you really? Yeah. Aw. Yeah. (laughs) Doc had him. You look like Randy Moss. Randy Moss with Tom throwing in the deep pass one hand. Caught me by my cranium, son. <laughs> Gorilla grip the skull. By the age of 11, Eileen was deep into engaging in sexual activities at school. Uh, in exchange well. for cigarettes, drugs, food, and also did the dirty deeds with her brother, hey, too. Give this blowjob for a fucking Marble Red. Come on, man! I'll give you a blowjob for Marble Red. Oh my God, it's new points. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> Bunch of eleven-year-olds talking like I'm they're sixty-five. Gonna... All right, so Marble Marble Red had <coughs> the new points. The price of new points going up. So I'll suck your balls. <laughs> li- that's all I need. All right, you could finger bang me for Marble Red. <laughs> you got the one twenties. <laughs> You got a Capri. What was it a Capri? Is it a Misty? Uh, now, if that wasn't enough to make you grind your teeth, <laughs> their brother guy. Eileen was subjected to sexual abuse from her grandfather too. He would make her strip and then stand there as he eye fucked her and then beat her and then proceeded to touch her too. Now, by the age of fourteen, Eileen had been raped by a family friend. And it was made to be a spectacle for others to watch as well. And she ended up pregnant Jesus in nineteen. 19- German? <laughs> Legit. All I can picture is like a room full of people and poor Eileen on the bed. It's just... so dark. It is. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, uh, we're making jokes, but that's a fucking. I know. Thing like God. to have father, to somebody. Father three, like, I, I would do nothing but defend them, and then that, like, ah, oh, man, to hear things like this, it's so. It puts things into perspective for you, like how people get their upbringing and like how different lives can be and what you go through. I'm like, we reach out and like, I'm the greatest father ever, dude. Greatest fucking father ever. Fucking father. No one dad. Shirt. (laughs) Something. (laughs) 
Now, as a product to this, by the age of 14, um, Eileen ended up pregnant in 1970, just Ugh. like her mother, Diane. Same age? Same age. Holy okay. shit. Yeah. Now, these are those moments that you truly, like we've just been saying, you want to feel bad for the person subjected to this type of cruel behavior. But we also know what this roadkill did to others, so it's hard to pull the sympathy card as well. But on March 23rd of 1971, Eileen gave birth to her only child who was a boy at a home for unwed mothers and put the child up for adoption shortly after. It wasn't long after her son was born and given up that she also dropped out of school and started spending more time away from the house, choosing to live in the woods or giving a shot at hitchhiking to nearby towns. She went fucking full on Sasquatch. She also named her son Keith after her brother. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of speculation there too, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) The following year, however, at the age of 15, Eileen's grandmother died of liver cancer And her grandfather kicked her out of the house permanently. And I found out the reason why, which was because Eileen came up to the funeral for her grandmother. Kissed her on the mouth. Which was open casket. (laughs) While looking down at her dead grandmother, she lit a cigarette, took a giant drag, and puffed it all out into her grandmother's face. I mean, I'd be mad if that didn't happen. (laughs) Honestly, my funeral better be a goddamn party. It was later on... Some kind of funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Funeral. For the fun and funeral. So it was actually because of this moment at at the funeral that her grandfather kicked her out of the house. This force- That's it. No more sex. <laughs> You're out of here. You're out. <laughs> this forced Eileen to live in the woods by uh, by her used to be home and figure out how to survive on her own, which led to her one and only talent, prostitution. I'd picture her even dirtier bush, <laughs> just being even dirtier. Ew. <laughs> just living Ugh. in the woods, unkempt, just fucking passing Anyone it around. Anyone got any cigarettes? You guys got a marble red? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, you got a marble red? Come on, man. I'm Jameson, man, my bow wet. I'm treating a fucking blowjob for a hot butt light right now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this was the turning point for Eileen and how she conducted herself. Fuck you, man! <laughs> her body completely became her currency and means of getting by. If she needed something, sex and sexual favors was the payment. <laughs> Thus, starting her life of crime. This led to her first arrest that happened in Jefferson County, Colorado on May 27th of 1974, after hitchhiking there at the age of 18, when Eileen was arrested for DUI, disorderly conduct, and firing a 22 caliber caliber pistol from a moving vehicle. Hey, not for nothing. It's pissing at a party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was never with her a dull moment. Vagina washed with an even dirtier vagina. <laughs> she knew how to party. <laughs> Disgusting. Clean me up. Disgusting. Come over here, Bethany. Clean me up now. I need you to clam ham me right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, boy. <laughs> Dear God. And then we were there, just locking lips. There were. <laughs> and we wasn't kissing. I was just going to say, not the face <laughs> God. She was later charged for these crimes as she failed to appear in court. And why did she ap- fail to appear? Because she was busy hitchhiking her way down to us here in Sunshine State, Florida. The Tony Gang, stand up. <laughs> now, up to the point of her arrest in Colorado... Eileen wasn't much of a violent person. However, remember her childhood was fucking bleak and toxic in all realms of the term. A true product to of her. Least. Yeah, she was a true product of her environment. Oh God, oh God. Uh, all she needed was OG, a little time OG. to grow a bit more, and then all hell would be breaking loose. Now, two years. Even more so than it already has. Yeah, <laughs> she's like firing guns, Can't like get getting pregnant by her brother, like. Washing her vagina with pine cones. Fuck it. It just gets... Ow! Fucking sucking balls for Newports. It just gets worse. (laughs) How? How how did we get here? How did we get here? What have I become? It was the grandpa. (laughs) Two years after she hitchhiked down to Florida in 1976... 20-year-old Eileen found love Aww. with 69-year-old <laughs> Louis Gratz Bell, who's a very poor bastard. It was love at first sight between the two, younger woman for Louis and money bags for Eileen. 
the pair. Her eyes did like the money sign thing. Like, money, oh. money, <laughs> Mr. Krabs style. <laughs> the pair married very quickly in true testimony of their affections for each other, and then announced it was oriented in the local newspaper. But even though the happily ever after was fresh and new and shiny, it didn't stop our Eileen from causing havoc wherever she went. She would constantly go to their local bar and instigate fights amongst the patrons there, and even went to jail for assault. Haven't we all? I haven't. Me either. (laughs) (laughs) Nate? Nate? I actually haven't been to jail for assault. But Hubby Lewis was there to grant her bail shortly after. It wouldn't take long for Eileen to grow bored of her husband and his lack of need for excitement, and she eventually started abusing him. Who did that? She was like, I'm tired of fighting these motherfuckers at the bar. You're about to get it, Lewis. <laughs> Let's have a steel cage match. Goes her off. <laughs> Eats her cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Tip on out. <laughs> Tip on out. <laughs> we made a rumble, coach. Um, I'm just an old man. <laughs> Shut up, bitch. <laughs> Damn it, Ali. Quit. Damn it, Ali. <laughs> Not again. I'm feeble. My bruises still ain't healed yet. <laughs> Yo, fucking asshole. <laughs> I know what love is. <laughs> you don't know love, old man. <laughs> Fuck uh, you, man. <laughs> Fuck you, man. She hit him with his own cane. Would throw punches at him daily, and within weeks of the marriage, Lewis had had enough. The lovebirds separated but did not divorce, and Eileen was gifted with a restraining order against her old man. Thankfully, Lewis was a lucky one and got out before the bad streak took two took over fully for our Eileeny Weenie. Eileeny Weenie. After the marriage fell apart, Eileen saw nothing left for her at the time in Florida and decided to hitchhike back to Michigan and continue to live in the woods and prostitute herself for money. It's cold up there. Oh, she moved from cigarettes to money now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot better. On July 14th of 1976, she was arrested at Bernie's Club in Mancelona, Michigan. And charged for aggravated assault and disturbing peace it's because like Barcelona, but trash. Shout out Barcelona. <laughs> yes. Damn. A little few, few less Italians. <laughs> she was charged for aggravated assault and disturbing the peace because she threw a cue ball at a bartender's mm-hmm. head for cutting her off from her alcohol and refusing her talents in the bedroom for payment. Hey, look over there! Pow! <laughs> I win. <laughs> If there's, She's drinking out of the tap. Oh. If there's Great, one now we're going to throw the whole fucking keg away. <laughs> Ali, get your dirty lip off that keg. <coughs> Aileen, weenie's at it again. <laughs> Fuck. Just crust on your lip, Aileen. You're over there sucking on a keg. Gross. <laughs> if there's one thing that's becoming a constant for Aileen, she doesn't like to be told No. And when she does get told no, she results to violence to get her way. That's what I do. The, oh. Samesies. Oh. Okay. This is where the bad streak car- starts to come into play a lot more. And Eileen just starts to constantly see red and create her vendetta against the male race. Fucking penises. Fucking hair. With a throb, with a throb over it, pulsate. <laughs> with the balls tuck up when they're about to yeah, come, and when, and uh, or when it's really cold, it makes me sick. <laughs> the salty taste. Ugh, God, I hate this. It tastes it's of skin. When drink up water. <laughs> well, it's my two o'clock time. <laughs> to we'll make- do it again. <laughs> To make matters more interesting, because I don't think it could get go worse yet. Three days after her arrest at Birdie's Club, her brother Keith died of esophageal cancer. And even though this gave Eileen grief, she was also gifted $10,000 from Keith's life insurance. I want a scratcher! She, she's like, she, she's like dabbing at her tears with money. Now, Lots of money on this pulpy <laughs> around here. I want a scratchy. <laughs> now, there's also a rumor about this funeral as well, where she came to the funeral, she behaved herself for the most part, but at the... Would that be the wake? Like the after where everybody goes to the person's house and like pays condolences? So yeah, like, celebration the of life almost. Yeah, okay. While she's there, she started telling everybody about her and Keith like fucking. Whoa. She's like, you time. would not believe. 
how big his dick was. And that's where the theory. I'm talking tripod. (laughs) Tripod. And listen, I'm a prostitute. That's a big dick. (laughs) That's where the theory came that Eileen's son was Keith's. Thick like a table leg. (laughs) Good God. Now, with the money that Eileen got from Keith's life insurance, she used it to annul the marriage that she was still tied to with Lewis on July 21st, only nine weeks after the marriage. Uh, It was officially ended completely. She also used $105 to pay for a fine she had for drunk driving. Good for her, though. And spent the (laughs) rest... She her fines. It's good. Well, yeah. Can't have the driver's license suspended now, can we? (laughs) No. Well, after that... She's 22's out of something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She spent the entire rest of the money within two months buying luxuries like new clothes, jewelry, and a new car, which she wrecked and totaled shortly (laughs) after purchase as well. Hate to see what she do with a credit card. God damn. (laughs) Eileen was embodying Dom Toretto's statements of living life a quarter mile at a time here. Family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some dick. Family. (laughs) But it was starting to become too much for her. And by the age of just 22 in 1978, she had attempted suicide six different times in six different ways, including shooting herself in the stomach. God damn, what a fucking way to try. Like, yeah. oh, it's just hurt really bad. What's the worst way to go? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I heard Let's it try that really, one. really bad. Make myself suffer. <laughs> Obviously, oh, all six of these. feels like I got a shit. <laughs> I got a shit, man. Hey, I lead in there taking a shit. <laughs> I won't tell nobody. (coughs) Now, obviously, these six times were unsuccessful attempts, but after the sixth one, she finally said, quote, enough is enough. I'm obviously here for a reason. God works in mysterious ways. And bigger person (laughs) or bigger purpose in life. And I'm going to find it. Which led to May 20th of 1981 after hitchhiking back to Florida, where she was arrested in none other than my hometown of Edgewater, Florida, for armed robbery of a convenience store where she stole $35 and two packs of cigarettes. <laughs> I wish I knew what kind of cigarettes they were. I want to know. I really want I to want know. I want to know. We all know what they were. They were Marvel Reds. They had to be. Look at her face. She was sentenced on May 4th of 1982. The force was uh, not with her on this day because it was May 4th. May oh! 4th. She'll be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she was also released a year later on June 30th of 1985. And this time, Eileen said, can't teach an old dog new tricks, and accepted the vagabond lifestyle to its complete fullest and started to dabble in foraging checks that she would take to a bank in Key West and try to cash for some quick bucks. Unfortunately, she didn't have a lot of talent, so she ended up getting arrested on May 1st of 1984 for forgery, but was released shortly after her small sentencing only to end up as a suspect in Pasco County for a theft involving a revolver and ammunition, but was never found guilty, which is surprising because, as we all Floridians know, nothing good happens in Pasco County. Mm-hmm. It's on Mexican. live TV. <laughs> <laughs> Trailer parks as far as the eye can see. <laughs> What's that over there? Trailer park. A double wide. <laughs> double wide. <laughs> they got a hot. <laughs> Inflatable one too. It's in the back of an old Chevy. Don't you pop with the it tarps with. hanging out? <laughs> yeah. Chevy S10 right here got a double wide motherfucking hot tub. In <laughs> it's an eight foot bed. Now with Eileen uh, on a state tour of Florida and leaving her mark all over the place, she ended up in Miami on January fourth of nineteen eighty six at thirty years old, getting arrested there for car theft. Resisting arrest for obstruction of justice for providing a ID that was actually her aunt, not her. And guess what else the Miami Can you police... they looked at it, they're like, uh, uh, you out here uh, What happened? You out here fucking up justice. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put you in a cage, woman. Now guess what else the Miami police found when arresting her? Coke. No. Ah. A thirty-eight caliber revolver. Ah, close. <laughs> And ammunition in the car she stole, along with another twenty-two pistol under the seat. Coke in the barrel? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any 
everything's possible for Eileen Weenie. But alas, even the darkest of times, love can still prevail. And in 1986, Eileen fell in love all over again with 24-year-old Tyra Moore. The pair met at a gay bar by the name of the Zodiac, located in Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach. Our current stomping grounds. Which is now a motel slash condo. They should give tours there. They should. This is where Eileen found love, all right? (laughs) And over here is where they mush their clams together and then drink Zima, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's be honest. She was a Budweiser girl. Yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, She probably drank Milwaukee's best. (laughs) Smoked Winston. Still reserved. (laughs) I want to taste the aluminium. (laughs) Aluminium. You know how stuff tastes real good? Well, I don't want that. <laughs> I want bum piss. I, we're on Ridgewood. We're going to do it. We're going to mm. do it hard and well. <laughs> now, Tyra was... I want to taste the felony. <laughs> <laughs> I want to taste the handcuffs on it. I want my wrist to hurt when I sip that motherfucking oh, yeast yeah. and hops. I want really. to see myself in an orange jumpsuit the next really, morning. You can really feel the strip search when it hits your lips. Even, I want that orange jumpsuit flavor on it with the number on the back. Mmm. Good. Nice and good. <laughs> You're going to have to start coming on more episodes. (laughs) Now, Tyra was a motel maid nearby, and the pair hit it off instantly. They moved in together within a week of seeing each other. Eileen supported them both with her earnings as a sex worker, and the pair became inseparable. They even went as far as to get into trouble together. Sex work is real work. It is. Hashtag. We've had this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) That was the clapping of a hashtag. Yeah, you guys don't. Also, looks like scissoring. (laughs) 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 Oh my god! Okay, they even went as far as to get into trouble together. Like, one night, for example, they were brought in for questioning over an incident taking place at a bar where a man was assaulted with a beer bottle. Later, when asked about her relationship with Tyra, Warno stated, quote, It was love beyond imaginable. Earthly words cannot describe how I felt about Tyra. The way she hit that man over the temple with that Budweiser, I but knew at that I moment. I was struck myself. I'm going to marry this woman. He struck Illegally. Her. Struck, <laughs> yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. She, she struck him and she struck my heart. <laughs> the way he, he nodded out. <laughs> the blood made my pussy wet. He felt it. <laughs> fell to the ground and I fell for her. (laughs) (laughs) Their relationship lasted all the way up to Eileen's very last arrest in 1991 where she still claimed to love Tyra while on her way to be put to death. I don't care what you guys say. Christina Ricci's hot. The goat. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Tyra and Eileen were more than just lovers though. Oh. She could. She was the original. She was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she Not was. Not the original, but. No. She's still Wednesday. No, Tyra. She's like a Thursday. I'll show her. She's Thursday. like a Thursday. She's the day after. I'll show her a fucking Sunday fun day. Uh, <laughs> the best three minutes of my goddamn life. Not yours, but mine. <laughs> Tyra and Eileen were more than just lovers, though. They were also accomplices in Eileen's murder string as well. Now, guys, with that statement, we are now about to go into Eileen's murder spree, where she was held responsible for seven murders over the course of a year. Each of her victims were male between the ages of 40 and 65, and all were murdered after picking her up from hitchhiking when she offered sexual services for a ride. And cigarettes. Now, reminder, <laughs> reminder to everyone, Eileen is the first woman to be put on the map as a serial killer, uh, first woman to be put on the map as a serial killer. She was ruthless and heartless, not only making her the first woman serial killer, but also one of the deadliest drifter killers, too. And with her being a drifter killer, I want to emphasize that the claims on these murders are all Eileen's. 
Since there were no witnesses and all happened while out on the road, there's no evidence to support anything other than what her word is of the account. And with her being a giant narcissist that would even make Aleister Crowley jealous. Yeah, hey, you said it. <laughs> I you said le- the thing. <laughs> you said the thing. Leonardo. Uh, Eileen controls the narrative on these murders. And of course, in true narcissist fashion, she made sure she was always portrayed as the victim in each scenario. Now, with that being said, we're going to dig in. Right off the bat, the first murder is sometimes looked at as self-defense. However, that's still unknown due to the victim being dead, and the only one knowing the actual hmm. events that took place was Eileen. You telling me she killed someone? <laughs> <laughs> now, the first victim's name was Richard Charles Mallory. He was an electronic store owner in Clearwater that was murdered on November 30th of 1989 at the age of 51. Warnos claims that Mallory beat, raped, and sodomized her after he drove her to an abandoned area for sexual services. Now, later, it became known that Mallory had previously been convicted for attempted rape in Maryland. Two days after the murder, a Volusia County deputy sheriff found Mallory's abandoned vehicle. And on December 13th, his body was found several miles away in a wooded area. He had been shot several times and two bullets to the left lung were found to have been the cause of death. Now, I, I struggle with this one because of the whole like previous charge that he had. So it's easy to see it from both sides, but like with Eileen's history on everything too, it's also easy to see that she's again trying to control that narrative because of the past charge as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the one that I I feel like that's what sparked all of it. Like probably, I, I really do. I mean, the guy was charged with a, a violent rape before, so so and then for him to get violent with her, it probably just flipped that switch yeah. inside. I her. feel like that was the I, the sure kill he, switch. Just he was the one in the movie. That did the fucking the crowbar and oh, yeah. the fucking raped her with a crowbar and fucking like a it was like a pipe hanger. or something yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like and then poured alcohol mm-hmm. over like beat afterwards the shit out of her. after yeah. he put it Which, in her I mean you know movie wise that was I was like Good yeah I, I watched God. that when I was a God. yeah I was, I was like, like fuck me mm-hmm. the next I'd have shot him too <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah like exactly. it's hard to reason with yeah. that I feel like that was the catalyst though that was the keystone to everything was this. That guy. Yeah, what? because... I could be wrong. Well, it doesn't help cases as well that he was the first. So it's so easy to support that claim because, like we said, like, you flip that switch, you can't control what happens after that. Some people just, they've been through so much, they create that switch. Once it's flipped, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we also know that mental illness ran in Eileen's family. Without a doubt. So, like, to have that as well, it's just, it's hard to argue on that one mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. The next was David Andrew Spears. At the age of 47, he was a construction worker in Winter Garden. David was declared missing as of May 19th of 1990. And on June 1st of 1990, uh, his naked body was found along US-19 in Citrus County. He had been shot six times by a 22 pistol, which, as we have heard from the history of Eileen, was a favor of hers. This cum tastes like gunpowder. <laughs> 22 caliber to be exact, officer. God damn it, Johnson. You've done it again. That's why You're I like get, Dick Tracy, but with cum. That's why I get paid the big bucks. Dick Tracy, but with cum. Uh, the next was Charles Edmund Karskinen. All 50 cent. <laughs> Worth every penny. <laughs> The next was Charles Edmund Karskaden. He was 40 years old and was a part-time rodeo worker. Nothing screams, I pick up hookers. <laughs> like a part-time rodeo worker. <laughs> Had a long day riding these bulls. Yeah, Once come over here. ride a bull. Once you ride this bull, Eileeny Weenie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title, ride this bull, Eileeny Weenie. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Gary, you came up with your first title. Woo! <laughs> I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. First episode, you came up with the title. I'll be here all night. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the pride that we all omitted so quick. <laughs> now, uh, Charles was murdered on May 31st of 1990. 
On June 6th of 1990, his body was found in Pasco County. He had been shot nine times with the 22 caliber weapon. I was going to say, let me guess, a 22? Yep. <laughs> the body had been wrapped in an electric blanket and was badly decomposing when found. <laughs> he didn't, he's just eating the body. In Florida. <laughs> in Florida. Ravens uh. pecking at his arm. <laughs> oh, my God. Do we have ravens, ravens in Florida? Do you know that? For sure. Do you know really? That, Hell yeah. Do you know the difference between a raven and a crow? Their beak. Don't say it's gronk. The beak. It's the beak. The gronk, gronk. <laughs> yeah, they croak. Ravens croak. Crows Fuck the call. ravens. Crows caw. Caw! <laughs> <laughs> when the, bo- the decomposing body was found, witnesses saw Warnos in possession of Karskadin's car. And Warnos had also pawned off a gun identifying as belonging as Karskadin as well. So this guy was armed and she was still like able to take him down. Was she... I bought this car with cigarettes. He wasn't the cop. Okay. Um, Next was Peter Abraham Seams. Uh, He was 65 years old. He was a retired merchant seaman. In June 1990. (laughs) 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 That's how we found him so quick. His last name? Seaman. His last name was... (laughs) Mancom. In June of 1990, Seams left Jupiter, Florida for Arkansas. On July 4th of 1990, his car was found in Orange Springs, Florida. Moore and Warnos were seen abandoning the car, and Warnos's palm print was found on the interior door handle, but his body was never found. Get out of the car, goddammit! The next was Troy Eugene Burris. Woo! He was 50 Dang. years old. Spelled different. <laughs> he it's was missing 50. a U. They put an E instead of a U. He's yeah. not his uncle. Not yet. We're not. No relation. He was 50 <laughs> years old and was a sausage salesman from Ocala, Hey, buddy. <laughs> Give me that sausage. Maybe we are related. <laughs> I've been known to sell a sausage myself. <laughs> I got these little weenies. You give me a PBR and I'll sell you a sausage real quick. Like the little, like, can weenie things. Vienna sausages? Yeah. Smaller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking those, like, the little ones that you... Yeah, the little barbecue ones. Yep. Everyone puts in a crock pot. Yep. Like, Super Bowl! Crock pot! There's the ones that I'm talking. Crock mm. pot weenies. Mm. Crock pot weenies! Put it on a little Chick-fil-A little bun, like the little biscuit. You know what I'm talking about? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on July <But> 31st... Yes. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> on July 31st, uh, 1990, he was reported missing... And on August 4th, his body was found in a wooded area along State Road 19 in Marion County. He had been shot twice. Damn. The next was Charles Richard Humphreys. He was 56 years old. He was a retired U.S. Air Force major, former state child abuse investigator, and former chief of police. He was murdered on September 11th of 1990. And on September 12th, his body was found in Marion County. He was fully clothed and had been shot seven times in the head and torso. And his car was found in Suwannee County. And I did the math. That's about an hour away from each other. Mm, So I said Suwannee. Suwannee? Suwannee. 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 Yes. Swaney. Suwannee. Sweeney? I don't know. Suwannee. Never even heard of that county. I've lived in Florida my whole life. Really? The Suwannee River? Swear to God. Suwannee River. Suwannee. Suwannee River. Not Suwani. It's Suwani. Suwoo. You was silent. I don't believe you. Suwani. Okay. Well. Cool Schwimmer. Cool whip. David Schwimmer. <laughs> the, the last victim was Walter Gino Antonio. He was 62 years old, a trucker, security guard, and reserve police officer. And on November 19th of 1990, Antonio's nearly naked body was found near a remote lodging. I'm sorry, logging road in Dixie County. He had been shot four times. Five days later, his car was found in Brevard County, which is right down south from us. Nobody likes it. <laughs> it ain't right down the road. Nobody we likes got work down there, and it's a far drive. Yeah. These are the murder victims of the damsel of death and her endeavors of violence for no other reason than her undying hatred for herself, men, and a need for a quick buck from pawning their belongings and would be the undoing to her. On July 4th of 1990, Warnos and Tyra Moore abandoned Peter's victim Peter Seam's car after they were involved in an accident. Rhonda Bailey, who witnessed the accident, provided police with a description of the two women, 
which later led to a media campaign to locate them. Police also found some of the victims' belongings in a pawn shop. Uh, Warno's fingerprints was found on a receipt at one of the pawn shops that matched the print. How do you get a fingerprint off a receipt? That's crazy. That's police work. But they still can't find who left Coke in the White House. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bro, yeah. that shit drives me wild. Like, how do With you know all the cameras. We, you, know what? you know there's cameras in this motherfucker. Dude, we did security, uh, not security, but uh, we did the fire alarm at Brown Brown right there on Main Street or mm-hmm. Beach Street, whatever. There's a security system there. You could track me by the emblem on my hat. God knows what they have at the White House. Like, how do you God not know? knows. Like, how do you know? You count? know. Police found some of the victims' belongings belongings in pawn shops. Warnos' fingerprint was found on a receipt at one of the pawn shops that matched the print that was left in Seam's car. Warnos had a criminal record in Florida, and samples of her prints were already in the database. Mm -hmm. So on January 9th of 1991, Warnos was arrested at the Last Resort Biker Bar in Port Orange, Florida, which is in Volusia County and right down the road from us. Shout out. I want to go there. I think we should go there. So, fun fact, I was talking about this. I've been there. Us covering I've that. I've never been there. You've never been there? No. It's a dirty old biker it's, bar. That's it's where I want to go. Biker they, bar. In, the back, in the back of it, they have a tree that has, like, motorcycles, like, in the tree. Like, they hung bikes and shit. It's fucking it's wow. funny as shit. Yeah. That's cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad bar. It's just a dirty old biker bar. So I was talking about us recording this episode at work, and my one boss came out and said that one of our customers, who's, like, one of the coolest guys in the world, was actually at the last resort when Eileen Weenie was still, like, out and about. Eileen Weenie Weenie Weenie. And apparently, while he was there, she approached him. And was like, hey, buddy, let's go outside and like... You got any cigarettes? I'll, I'll do the dirty hey. deed. And our customer was like, get the fuck away from me, you trash-ass whore. Wow. <laughs> and fucking uh, dismissed her completely. So, like, there's a little bit of background there. That's wild, though. Yeah. So, but she was found at the last resort biker bar on the pretext of an outstanding warrant in the name of Lori Grody, which I believe was her aunt. Grody to the max. Um, She Grody, all right. (laughs) Police located more the next day in Pittston, Pennsylvania. So sis, like, booked it. She was gone. Um, But I don't think she ever knew about the murders. I don't think she ever knew. I think she did because she was in Seam's car. How do you explain just popping up with a car? She for sure knew. Dude, I watched Eileen's testimony in court today, and she was even saying that she knew, like, and she's just trying to cover for her, so yeah. she could, yeah. Well, and we'll get into that here in just a second, too, um, because- What that girl my, be? Well- What that poor lesbian be? What that mouth do, girl? Well- she lick a labia off. Sounds like, you ever see that cartoon, like, the, fuck- it was like He-Man almost, but like the, there was like a, a Morpheus blob. <laughs> it's Dr. Zoyberg. Everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, since uh, the police located more the next day in Pittston, Pennsylvania, um, she agreed to elicit a confession from Warnos in exchange for immunity from prosecution. So she knew. She was, she was a part of it. That one was crisp. That was crisp. But shh. <laughs> Um, Moore returned with the police to Florida, where she was put up in a motel. Uh, under police guidance, she was she made numerous telephone calls to Warnos, pleading for help in clearing her name. Three days later, on January 16th of 1991, Warnos confessed to all of the murders. She claimed the men had tried to rape her, and she killed them all in self-defense. Which is horseshit. Mm-hmm. Now, on January 14th... Maybe, uh, maybe one or two. But I believe not all not all seven of them. She, no she had that fucking not PTSD. the last one. No, she had PTSD kick in, and the cop schizophrenia one, too. Probably I don't think the cop one was was rape. I think that poor old man yeah, was trying 100%. to get his weenie wet, and he From fucking my she weenie. kicked. Yeah, but, my weenie. And the PTSD kicked in. She was like, ah! <laughs> just see a penis. Just, <laughs> I hate penises. Time to die. The penis who lived. <laughs> Come, Come to, to die. die. <laughs> God <No>. damn it. <laughs> Bunch of fucking nerds. Just sit there. 
Actually, I don't think he got the cum. <coughs> got to go. I don't yeah, think he no. got the cum. Yeah, because she's selfish. It. She didn't get to give them that pleasure. That thing didn't even throb from Most... being hard yet. Like, what? <laughs> it was midway. <laughs> He's old, too. Really? Hold on, Eileen. Let me pop the blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> now, on January 14th of 1992, Warnos went to trial for the murder of Richard Charles Mallory. Although previous convictions are normally inadmissible in criminal trials, under Florida's Williams rule, the prosecution was allowed to introduce evidence related to her other crimes to show a pattern of illegal activity. So they used her own past against her in this trial. That's wild, though, because if you're on trial for that trial, like, they can't that should use be anything the else. Yeah. But because of that rule that we have here in Florida, they're able to go... No shit. They're able to show the receipts of all the shit that you have done and use that against you for plausible cause to put Check my house. resume! <laughs> Her resume was rough. Hey, check your resume, all right. <laughs> now, on January 27th in 1992, Warnos was convicted of Mallory's murder with help from Moore's testimony. At her sentencing, psychiatrists for the defense testified that Warnos was mentally unstable and diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder. Woo! Shout out. And, Shout out. And, <laughs> Thank and, you. Now, she wasn't also, she wasn't only diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. She was also diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder as well. Now, four days later, she was sentenced to death. BPD, holding it down. On March 31st of 1992, Warnos pleaded no contest to the murders of Charles Richard Humphreys. She's like, do his Troy, <laughs> Troy Eugene Burris and David Andrew Spears saying that she wanted to, quote, get right with God. Praise Jesus. In her statement to the court, she said in part, quote, I wanted to confess to you that Richard Mallory did violently rape me, as I've told you, but these others did not. They only began to start to. I that it was the catalyst. I'm I don't telling you, man. I think they even started to. It was she fucking had PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. She got that lick, you know, yeah. that like, ooh, I can get away with it. Yeah. You know, like fuck guys, you know. Well then In the movie they painted her fucking They painted if, her awfully. Yeah. On May fifteenth <laughs> of nineteen ninety two. Where were you? <laughs> I wasn't born yet. <laughs> I was a year and a half. Was, I, was, I wasn't here yet. <laughs> Young. Yeah, I was. On May 15th. I was four. You were four? Yeah. Aw. Allegedly. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't around yet. I was still a, a sperm waiting to be done. I was but come. On May 15th, 1992, Wernos was given three more death sentences. In June of 1992... You'd think one would be What, enough. is she a cat? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Warnos pleaded guilty to the murder of Charles Edmund Karskadin. And then in November 1992, she received her fifth death sentence. Hell yeah, girl. In yeah. February of 1993, I was a month old. Uh, month gang. old. Gang. In so November, ple- I was five now. Oh. Oh, yeah. Huh. In November... Uh, I'm sorry. In February of 1993, Warnos pleaded guilty to the murder of Walter Gino Antonio... And was sentenced to death again. Nice. No charges were brought against her for the murder of Peter Abraham Seams, as his body was never found. In all, Warnos received six death sentences. When you die and come back, we're going to kill that person too. (laughs) (laughs) And what sucks about the last victim is that he was a legitimately nice guy. He was. And... She and then it, to have that to be the only one that wasn't found too. It's like well, those, that family doesn't have any closure. Like they just know he go. was picking up hookers. Yeah, yeah. like that's fucked that's, up. That's but it. but he wasn't just like picking up hookers though. He he would pick up hitchhikers because that's what he liked to do. And he what? would preach. So chances are he wasn't. Yes. Word. Chances are he wasn't picking her up. For yeah, he had a history. Just helping her. Yeah. He had or a trying his, to. He had a history of picking up. You know, vagabond vagabonds or whatever. It would like you know hit. He, he had... What was I getting with this? He had a, a reasoning behind why he was picking up people as to where others were looking to just kind of get a fix for themselves. And he was trying to actually do good, I feel, because he was, like you were saying, preaching the word yeah. to them as he picked them up. His nephew and his uh, niece also warned him, like, hey, this is dangerous. You shouldn't, you do, shouldn't this. do this. And he was like, oh, at least I'd die doing what I love to do. Uh, and that's the worst part about uh, it. It's uh, like, fuck, God. man. 
Well, and, you know, I have question, too, as far as, like, how come his body was the only body that was never found? Why did Eileen go through so much trouble making sure his yeah. body didn't get found, but the other six yeah. were found? I think chances his were, they were in a remote area, and she took the fucking car, obviously. She took the car and just left him wherever the fuck he was. But True. why would she say, like, hey, this is where I was? Like, I don't know. I yeah. just feel like it's... Maybe she didn't remember. Fuck Eileen and Weenie. Yeah. Well, and you know, after you I'm not saying she was a good person at all. No, no. by any means. But you, you know, once you get that first death sentence, don't you think that you would want to try and give closure to the people that yeah, you fucked make up? amends. In make a way. amends in yeah. a way. I mean, if you were quote trying to get right with God, yeah. why didn't you get right with those people that you fucking made mm-hmm. suffer? Mm-hmm. So that's that was my whole point on that. But anyways, um, Warnos was incarcerated at the Florida Department of Corrections in Broward Correctional Institution, known as Shout BCI. Uh, this was death row for women. She was then transferred to the Florida State Prison for execution. Her appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court was denied in 1996. Got him, coach. In a 2001 petition to the Florida Supreme Court, she stated her intention to dismiss her legal counsel and terminate all of pending appeals, Quote, say, saying, quote, I killed those men, she wrote. I robbed them as cold as ice, and i do it again, too. There's no chance in keeping me alive or anything because I'd kill again. I I have hate crawling through my system. I am so sick of hearing this she's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I'm competent, sane, and trying to tell the truth. I'm one who seriously hates human life and would kill again. So she says that, yet she put a fucking appeals to the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah. So you're like, where are you contradicting yourself? No take backsies. Yeah, no take backsies. No, you're fucked. You have five. Count them. One, two, three, four, five. In, two thousand, five. in 2002, Warnos began accusing prison matrons of tainting her food with dirt, saliva, and urine. She's a crazy fucking and person. Man, come. Come. Schizophrenia. That's that's what that was. Comesophrenia. <laughs> She had overheard conversations among prison personnel saying, quote, trying to get me so pushed over the brink by them, I'd wind up committing suicide before the execution and wishing to rape me before execution. She thought her shit didn't stink all the way to the fucking beginning. Like, her poon was the best poon. Mm. Yet she wouldn't shower. But it was rusty poon. (laughs) Rusty, sandy poon. Like, you might have given that in your mouth. She Mm. also... (laughs) She also... (laughs) It's she like also- doing the cinnamon challenge. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Dust. <laughs> she also complained of strip searches, tight handcuffing, door kicking, frequent window checks, low water pressure, mildew on her mattress, and catcalling in distaste and a pure hatred towards her. Warnos also threatened to boycott showers and food trays when certain officers were on duty. Quote, saying, quote, in the meantime, my stomach's growling away and I'm taking showers through the sink of my cell. Now, Warnos's execution was by lethal injection. It took place on October 9th of 2002. She declined her last meal, which could have been anything under $20, and opted for a cup of coffee instead. Black coffee. Black as all night. I would get the KFC three-piece with the oh, biscuit. Is this your last meal right now? For under 20, fried chicken, biscuit with the honey on it, with the mac and cheese and the mashed potatoes. Okay. What if you didn't have a limit? Like, oh, if, if you could go crab over. Crab legs. Crab legs. Crab legs. What? Yes, that sir. That would be your last meal. Crab and lobster, without a doubt. All you can eat. Tomahawk steak. Ooh. Fully loaded baked potato. Fuck. That baked potato's going to fill you up. I don't give a fuck. I'll He's eat. about to die. Why does he care? You think I'm not going to eat until I hate myself even more? <laughs> Fully loaded baked potato. Talking the works. Bacon wrapped asparagus. Ew. Ew. I'm sorry, what? I only like the end of asparagus, not the stock. Fuck asparagus. Are you a serial killer? Are you okay? Who hurt you? Yeah, who hurt you? What's your last meal? I'm letting him finish his. Oh. <laughs> and then parm crusted broccoli. Ooh. Ooh. Your broccoli, though. Yeah. I want yours. I want your parmesan crusted. He made crusted. that once, and I was like, God damn, oh, this it's, is good. It's God's gift to the green earth. Well, Nate's gift to the green earth. You're welcome. <laughs> it's you know so what, good. Nate, you know what Nathaniel means, right? My old lady tries to make it, and it is lights out, delicious, but Nate's is better. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm keeping that in. She can hear that. Love at you, baby. Shout out, Victoria. I love you. <laughs> my baby mama. It's my baby mama. Um, if my my last meal would be um, prime rib. Mm. Okay. Mm. Medium rare. Mm. But what? Horseradish or au jus? Au jus. Horseradish. It's not even a question. Horseradish. Yeah. For sure. Now your meal's irrelevant. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, prime rib. Loaded sweet potato. Because those are the best. Also irrelevant. Next. Loaded sweet potato? Yeah. They're really good. <sighs> what the fuck? Then my... I want marshmallows on my sweet potato. <laughs> <laughs> um, my bacon and garlic Brussels sprouts. Okay. My recipe. And then my shrimp Alfredo with my homemade Alfredo sauce. <laughs> Hold on. I'm <laughs> patting <laughs> myself on the mat now. <laughs> That's my I would also like to add a uh, medium rare Parmesan crusted outlaw ribeye from Longhorn on my final meal because that shit is so good, dude. It really, it, it actually, it really fucking is. So crab legs in that. By the way. Oh I had crab God. legs today. I'll snort the bone. <laughs> I had crab legs today, and they were a little dry. Her last, Eileen's last words were quote. <clears throat> Yes, I would just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Whoa. Jesus. June 6th, like the movie. Nice. Big mother ship and all. I'll be back. I'll be back. She, di- she died. She is, in fact, not come back. <laughs> she died at 947 uh, Eastern Standard Time. She was the second woman in Florida and the 10th in the United States to be executed since the 1976 United States Supreme Court decision restoring capital punishment. Mm-hmm. I fucking I believe in the death penalty. Is, some people deserve it. I mean, it's, some people do, but it does suck because some people are wrongfully on death row without say, a doubt. Yeah, it, but um, there's a huge amount of people out there that are wrongfully incarcerated, and it is a fucking shame. And especially if they're put on death row, it's a fucking shame. But, but. a lot of people fucking deserve to die. Also, Eileen, when she was getting the old juice injected, uh, there was a reporter who works right now. I forget her name. She works for Wendy Chu. Chi? Not no. her. It was, it's the other one, though. She was there for her Claire execution. Metz? I want to say it was Troy Metz. It's one of them. She works for Wendy <coughs> News. She, um, she was in the sitting for it, and she said, Eileen, they strapped her down. And right before they injected it, she like looked over everyone at the viewing and like kind of like made a weird face. Probably stuck her tongue out and shit, like, bah! and then like uh, rolled her eyes afterwards. And then they put it in. They they put two IVs in, and then uh, she not her eyes rolled back of the head. Her mouth opened a jar, and then they said that's when she was done. <laughs> she was like, ah! <laughs> 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 This concludes our episode of the Damsel of Death herself, Eileen Warnos. Eileen Weenie. Eileen Weenie. Like Weenie. Now, before we close out completely, creeps, we took a break in between recording here, and Garrett started to tell us about how he experienced sleep paralysis a few weeks ago. So you gotta bring it up. I need to bring it up because we've done an episode on it, and you were part of that episode before, and you had said very explicitly, "If I have any other incidents, I'll let you know." So. You stuck your your phone in the mess. But it was like a month ago, whatever. And I meant to I meant to call or text when you be like, "Guess what just happened?" <laughs> but I remember I, it was. It's like I said, it's in the morning time, like kind of how it looks outside right now, you mm. know, where it's like just the sun's coming up or whatever. And I remember like I was sitting there and I had my arm out near Victoria's head and I like kind of moved my fingers a little bit. And I was like, "Oh, it's not working." And I try, I just. I saw something at the corner of the room, too. So I was like, oh, shut my eyes. This is it. <laughs> this, is, this is it. Not today, demon. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, like, as soon as I can move, like, instead of the first digits of my finger, like, my actual finger itself, like, that's when I was, like, Wolverine out of the tank again. Like, I'm awake, you know? <laughs> oh, my and God. Then, I was like, all right, I cannot go back to that state. So I kind of stood up for like 30 minutes. You know, I want to sleep in, but I can't because there's a demon in my corner. <laughs> Dude, it's the worst. I, You know, you've had sleep paralysis, right? No. No? No, I've never had it. May See? it be upon you. No, fuck you. Don't you wish that on me. It's so bad. But when it happens, my solid advice is just close your eyes. Don't keep them up because you don't can, feed the demons. Because the only thing you can control is your eyes. That's it. 
Yeah, but then if you close your eyes, you can't see, like... But you can't see if, like, they're coming closer to you or not. Great. What? Great. What if you get stuck in the vortex then? But you know they're not real, so you just... Close your eyes. It'll be over. Try to break out. As soon as you break out of that shell, like a newborn chicken being hatched out of the egg. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need some sleep paralysis. That's still there. I know. Why not? Because it's from Trans-Allegheny. Did you download the picture? No. That's the kid that survived the lobotomy. Um, I can't believe that was a thing. We got to do an episode on lobotomy. You know Ed Kemper? He was like, yeah, I'll do a lobotomy if you guys think that's what I need. Yeah, Kemper was, was also like, no. very agreeable in prison too. Like he was yeah. very much like, yeah, whatever, whatever. I just want to talk to he's somebody. He's also a fucking yeah. genius. Yeah, he's he very smart. But this concludes our episode for the night, creeps. Um, make sure you guys are following us on Facebook at Case of the Creeps Podcast and join our private group, which is COTC Group. Find the password, agree to the rules, and join the creepy side. You can also follow us on Instagram, which is at Case of the Creeps Podcast. If you guys have any fan art, episode requests, chili recipes, um, Bigfoot erotica, Bigfoot erotica, anything, especially. Um, it's been a long time. Creepy stories that you would like to send in for us to read on to our come. episode. <laughs> you can email those Bigfoot all to. Bigfoot come. <laughs> you can email all of that to caseofthecreeps at gmail.com. Reminder, we are not active on Patreon at this moment, so please do not sign up because we are under construction. Patreon, put that down. <laughs> Oh. Nani? Put that down. Put that down. <laughs> um, Garrett, thank you so much for, for recording with us. And thank being you for here. having me. This, is, this I appreciate has been a fun it. episode. Truly, I truly appreciate it. This has been awesome. Well, and we definitely want you to come back and do another episode yeah. with maybe us. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know. You know that's a bullface <laughs> lie. <laughs> but until next time, because we're keeping our next episode a secret for you guys. Uh, we hope you creeps keep it creepy. I am Katie. I'm... Come. <laughs> I'm Nate. Man, come. <laughs> and I'm Garrett. Bye.